That's a great introduction to what we're going to be talking about here in the coming weeks as we enter into 2024. Before I begin, I, I just want to say thank you for all the love and support that me and my family have received in these days as we've celebrated Cheryl's homegoing. You know, it's a great thing to be a part of a big family. And you are my family. So thank you for that. Um, I'm going to be needing your grace, your prayers, as I navigate some uncharted waters in the coming weeks and months. But so thankful to be able to do it in the context of this amazing church family. And I can't believe that through it all, somehow, we made it to 2024. You know, in my, in my personal life and in our church life, I was reminiscing about what it was like at the beginning of this decade. Actually, Cheryl was just finishing what we thought was precautionary chemotherapy. She had had her surgery. She had no cancer in her lymph nodes. All the margins were clean. When she rang that bell at the end of chemotherapy, it was a celebration that she was cancer-free. She would be a long-term survivor. We were, we were full of optimism about the future. As a matter of fact, if you remember at the beginning of 2020, everybody was full of optimism. Seemed like things were going so well. Economy was humming. Everything was good. Lots of blessings in the world. And, and, uh, and we were here at the church doing the same thing. Matter of fact, you might remember that at the beginning of 2020, we had t-shirts for everybody. Looks something like this. Some of you will remember, and some of you, you've joined us since then. Thank you. So if you were with us, these next few moments will be review. If you're, if you're new, it will be history about who we are as a church, because we started 2020 with what we called our vision goals. And there were actually four of them. The first one was to raise enough money in one day to buy a truck for Pastor Juan, uh, who is a Honduran pastor with whom we partner in ministry. And so we set February 2nd for that day. And our was to raise $25,000 to buy him a truck. Uh, long story short, in that one day, we raised a uh, little over $62,000. Able to buy him a truck, um, <clears throat> buy a couple of other vehicles, and uh, bless ministry there in Honduras in, in incredible ways. Check the first one. The, the second goal was to do, as a church, 10,000 hours of community service in the coming year. And that was all well and good, except I hardly got those words out of my mouth and COVID hit. Complicated everything. But, but you were all amazing. And again, by the end of the year, even with all of the challenges, we had completed that goal. Check. The third goal was by 2023... To grow by 25% to an average of about 500 worshipers each week. 
as you know, in, instead of continuing that growth curve, uh, COVID completely shut down worship in March. And sadly, many churches never recovered. But we, we've been blessed not only to recover, but to move past where we were numerically in 2020. And, and we are well on the way to that goal as well. We're averaging right now somewhere around 440 worshipers. Uh, so we still have a ways to go. Uh, but we are continuing to move forward. And, and my prayer is that, that we will be building an environment where people are discovering Jesus and growing in a relationship with him. Because it's, it's not about numbers, it's about people, and it's about this opportunity for people to discover Jesus and how important that is. And then we had a fourth goal. And that was by 2023 to be ready to build a new sanctuary to accommodate that growth and, and position us for a future. And even though we've had life interrupted by disease and inflation and scarcity of building supplies and rising interest rates, the board has decided to move forward with that process. And so in recent months, we have been working with CBLH Design and JNF Construction to develop plans for that proposed project. And you're going to be hearing a lot more about that in the very near future. As a matter of fact, I'm expecting that the final cost estimates for that project are going to be delivered to the church this week. And so we'll be hearing and, and talking much more about that as these days continue to unfold. Four amazing goals. So here we are four years later, again, looking to the future. And as we prepare for what's next, I thought it would be good for us to get back to the basics. So we're going to spend the next six weeks answering the fundamental questions about identity. You know, the kind of questions that investigative reporters ask. Who, what, where, why, when, and how? Well, uh, actually, specifically, we'll be asking, who are we? What do we believe? Where do we serve? Why are we so focused on grace? When do we proceed with what God has next for us? And finally, how do we accomplish what God is calling us to do? So this morning, we're going to start with the first question. Who are we? Who are we here at Grace Point? And this one is easy for me because it's all mapped out in our name, our logo, our values, and our desired outcomes. So let's start with our name. Some of you remember back in 2016 when we decided to, to give ourselves a name. I mean, we're part of this free Methodist denomination, um, and so we decided we've always had a last name, we just never had a first name. So, so how are we going to describe who we are and find identity in it? And, and we came to the conclusion that, that the best name we could have for ourselves is Grace Point. It's based on that great verse, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, 
It says, it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And the whole story of the Bible is about God's grace. How God reached down into our world to save us from our sins and offer us the opportunity to to begin a relationship with him that lasts all the way into eternity. We, We are recipients of God's grace. And if you remember, in that verse, it describes grace as a gift. Now, please remember how gifts work. They cannot be earned. They can only be received. As a matter of fact, sometimes we're too proud to receive gifts that others extend to us. And we do that in our own relationships with each other. And sadly, we carry that mentality often into our relationship with God. And we act as if we don't need His grace. And we reject the gift that he has extended to us. And God did all of that for us before we even knew we needed it. Romans 5.8 says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We are recipients of the greatest gift Ever in all of humankind, Jesus gave himself for us and offers this gift of forgiveness and allows us to decide whether or not we're going to receive it. But but not just recipients of grace. The Lord's intention is for us to be purveyors of grace as well. 1 Peter 4.10 says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace. Do you remember that famous story Jesus told about the master who forgave his servant millions and millions of dollars? And soon after, that servant went out and grabbed a friend and threatened him Because he owed him a couple of grand. Jesus finished that story by saying, Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. There's a really simple lesson that Jesus wants us to get out of that that story, and it's this. You will never understand what it means to receive forgiveness until you are willing to give forgiveness. You'll never understand the magnitude of grace until you decide you're going to give grace in the name of Jesus. And together as a church, We purpose to be a point of grace in our community and on our world. And that's only going to happen as we each individually choose to give grace to the people around us. And not just the people we like. Give grace to the people who annoy you. Give grace to the people who don't like you. 
Give grace to the people in your family or your workplace that you think are weird. Give grace to those in authority over you or those for whom you are responsible. Give grace to your spouse. If you're a parent, give grace to your kids. And if you're a kid, give grace to your parents. They're trying to figure it out along with you. It's so much easier to play the blame game and to stay focused on how you've been wronged or misunderstood or ignored. That's the easy way out. But you're a follower of Jesus. And Jesus did not call you to do what's easy. He called you to do what's best. And so my prayer for you, for me, for all of us, is that we will reflect the reality of who we are as God's people. We have, we've received this incredible gift of His grace. And we're responsible to be purveyors of that grace to the people in our lives as well. So when, when we took on a new name, we also adopted a new logo that looks like this. It's based on Galatians 2.20. The apostle said, I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. So obviously, the, the predominant image of that is the cross. And the cross is the universal symbol of Christianity. It's the reminder of what Jesus did for us in his greatest gift of grace as he laid down his life as a sacrifice for sin. Now the arrow, the arrow represents you, me. That, that the Lord calls us to participate in his death. Uh, spiritually speaking, when, when you commit your life to Jesus, you die to yourself and you rise to a new life in Him. And so that's what this is about. Do you remember Jesus' famous invitation to all of His followers in Luke chapter 9, verse 23? He said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself, herself, take up their cross daily and follow me. You know, interestingly, uh, Jesus didn't say, you must be saved. Uh, Jesus didn't spend a lot of time talking about how committed you're supposed to be. Jesus' favorite way of understanding life was to challenge us to be his followers, to, to understand what he's done, and to live life as he has called us to. We are participants with Jesus in his death and his resurrection. Well, that's our name and our logo. Now let's think about our values. They're really simple. 
worship, service, and connection. My favorite way to describe those values is like a three-legged stool. Do you know why milking stools have three legs? It's because barns have very uneven floors. And if you have four legs, it's going to be rocking and rickety all the time. But there's something amazing about three legs. It creates stability regardless of the terrain. Uh, you get this spiritual implication, right? You're probably going to, going to be going through some, some difficult times, some times that, that seem very uneven in your life. And, and, and the stability you're going to find in your life of faith is if you put these three legs down, worship, service, and connection. Let's start with worship. Hebrews chapter 10 says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. It is essential for believers to worship together. And, and we live in this individualistic culture that really asks this question, what's in it for me? But faith in Christ is designed to be lived out in, in community. There are way too many Christians in our world who think about worship in terms of what am I getting out of it? And they're, they're missing the reality. Because worship is not ultimately about what you get. It's ultimately about how you give yourself to the Lord. Right? Uh, the, the root word for worship is worth. As a matter of fact, I have a friend who calls worship worth-ship. That what we're doing is proclaiming that, that the Lord is worthy of our allegiance, our time, our commitment. And it's supposed to happen for all of us together. You might remember that scripture said that we are not supposed to give up meeting together. Can I make a confession? I think I did it wrong in 2020. If I had it to do over again, uh, even though it would have been controversial, I would not have closed the doors of the church during COVID. And I'll tell you why. It's not because... I discounted how dangerous COVID was. I understand that, that people were dying. It's because this principle is so important that throughout history, Christians have literally risked their lives to gather together in the name of Jesus over and over and over again. From the times of the ancient Roman Empire to today, in communist countries around the world. 
People are literally taking their lives into their own hands to gather together because they understand how important this principle is. So hugely important for us to understand that reality as well. I hope that you will be committed to being a worshiper, gathering together with God's people. Because the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. And God has intended for us to, to worship together. And by the way, you know when we do this? We're practicing for heaven. You know, I, I said, worth, worth-ship is the best definition for worship. Do you know what we're going to sing when we gather around the throne in heaven? We're going to sing, worthy is the Lamb to receive glory and honor and praise and power. And all of our commitment is going to be the fact that we understand once and for all when we're in the presence of Jesus that he is worth everything we can give him. And so when you come to worship, you're actually practicing for what it's going to be like when you're in heaven. The first leg of the stool is worship. The second is service. You know, Jesus came into this world to serve. In Mark chapter 10, he said, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. As followers of Jesus, we are called to serve just as he came into the world for that purpose. And when you serve others in the name of Jesus, you are accomplishing his purpose for the world. You'll remember the the Bible calls the church the body of Christ. We are his hands and his feet. Uh, More than that, we're his eyes and his ears. You know, because we often talk about how this is supposed to work in the lives of believers, you should be able to see a need and meet that need. And and if you need others to help meet the need, that's what the church is for, that we gather together to accomplish God's work in His world. And and we don't want to make service just a series of programs. We want it to be the DNA of who we are. That because we're servants of Jesus, we see needs and we find ways to meet them. First leg is worship. The second is service. The third is connection. Every believer needs to be building relationships with other believers. It's always been the identity of the church. Tertullian was a historian and theologian who lived in the second and third centuries. That is the time when the Roman government was at the height of its systematic persecution of the church. These are days when Christians were literally being plucked out of their worship services and being shipped to the Colosseum in Rome where they were thrown to the lions as entertainment for bloodthirsty spectators. And here's the amazing thing. While that was going on, 
the church was growing exponentially. And the, the question was, how could people under that kind of threat get more and more committed to Christ? And, and Tertullian was, was listening to what the Romans were saying as they observed the church. And he said, I kept hearing the same thing over and over and over again. These pagan Romans were looking at these Christians and making the same observation. See how they love each other. See how they love each other. You know, to people outside the church, what's most impressive is, is not what we believe. It, it, it's not even how we serve the world. When the church is functioning properly, what's most impressive is that we love and care for each other. And that's why it's so hugely important for us as believers in Christ to invest in that kind of connection. And I wonder if the world today looks at the church and says, wow, they really love each other. I wonder if people around Galleon look at Grace Point and think, that's amazing how much they love and, and care for each other. Worship, service, connection, those, those create the stability for us to live our lives of faith regardless of what's happening in our circumstances. Well, one more. Let's talk about our desired outcomes. Uh, we put it really simply in regards to grace. We want everyone to get it, give it, and live it. So how do you know when you're getting grace, when you're giving it or living it? Well, for me, I, I like to have some simple, clear mile markers, some practical measurements to help recognize when we're achieving those desired outcomes. So let's start with get it. How do you know that you're getting it? Well, in regards to God's grace, you know you're getting it when you are choosing to follow Jesus and you are committed to his family, the church. Jesus loved that challenge, as I've already said. Follow me. I mean, it's important to say the sinner's prayer, to come to God in confession and, and receive the forgiveness Jesus offers, but that's the beginning, not the end. And ultimately, it's about building a relationship with the Lord that lasts all the way into eternity. And so, when you've consciously made that commitment to serve Jesus, but you've moved beyond that into building a life of following Him and incorporating that life into the life of the church, that's when you know you are getting the grace that God has for you. 
And let me remind you again, the Lord's intention is that there never be a Lone Ranger Christian. We are, we're designed to live in community with each other. And that shared community means so very much. So, um, how do you know when you're giving grace? Well, I have another simple measurement for that. Uh, you know that you are giving grace when loving God and loving people, even people you don't like, is the conscious focus of your life. You are choosing to love. I know the next holiday is Valentine's Day. And, and we're tempted to think that love is what makes my heart go pitter-pat. But biblically, that's not what love is at all. Love is a choice to do what's best for people in your life, regardless of what you're receiving in return. Love is always a choice. We serve a Lord who told us to love our enemies, to love people who are, who are persecuting us, who, who are wanting to make our lives miserable. Well, if love is a happy feeling, that's never going to happen. Love is a choice that we make. And we make it in response to the reality that we have been loved. So pause for one moment and ask yourself this serious question. How am I doing at loving the people in my life? Because it's the surest indicator of the reality that you are giving grace in the name of Jesus. I love the old question I, I first heard posed by Josh McDowell. Have you heard this one? If you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Do you know that even in communist China, there is a state-sanctioned church? So you can, you can go to church every week in China and nobody will you. As long as you don't talk to anybody about your faith, as long as you don't try to serve people in the name of Jesus, as long as you just show up on Sunday... And don't live for Jesus the rest of the week. You're good in communist China. Uh, you know what's really sad for me? I think there are a lot of American Christians who would do just fine in the sanctioned church in China. Because it is so important for us to consciously choose to give in the name of Jesus. So how are you doing at showing the love of Christ to others? Because it has to do with seeing others the way God sees you. We already said that worship is seeing the worthiness of who God is, the worthiness of Jesus. Well, let me flip that around. Do you know how God sees you? 
He sees you as incredibly valuable. You are so valuable that he came to this earth to give himself away for you. And so when you choose to give yourself away to others, you are really getting it as far as grace is concerned. So I hope you're following along with the progression. You get it, and then you choose to give it. And after a while, that becomes a lifestyle, and you live it. You know you're living grace when the people around you see Jesus and come to you for prayer and counsel and comfort. You know, it, it's one thing to love people, but it's quite another when the people in your life know they are loved. I know it's easy to say, I love you, but when people come and they respond, it's a whole different thing. You know, I, I have this experience over and over again that brings such delight to my heart. Somebody will describe a situation at work. It's maybe somebody with whom they've had conflict for a very long time, but something happens that's a crisis in their lives, and they come and they say, I need you to pray for me, or they ask for some counsel, or they ask for your comfort. And people say, I can't believe that happened. You know what I tell them? It means you're living it. Because when, when people recognize God's grace in you and they come to you for, for counsel or love or prayer or support, it's such an amazing thing. Because that means you're living Jesus in your family, in, in your workplace, with your friends. It's so absolutely amazing to me. This last week... I was overwhelmed seeing how loved Cheryl was by so many. Um, I thought she was all mine. <laughs> but I discovered that she shoved, shared love with, and faith and support with, with many, many people. And I thought, that's what God wants for us. To live in such a way that, that people see Jesus. I described her as an unassuming evangelist. She didn't spend very much time talking about Jesus, but everywhere she went, she left a trail for people to follow back to the Lord. Because when you live your life of faith, people notice. You know, Jesus had a favorite illustration for that. He said, grace is like a candle shining in the darkness. And then he gave a little warning. He said, don't put a basket over the candle. Let it, let it shine. I, I'm so grateful to be a part of the Grace Point family. You have created an atmosphere where the Lord is honored and people are blessed. 
And here we are entering a new year with so much on the horizon. And my prayer is that we will continue to become more and more point of grace in our community. The people God has called us to be. And so with that in mind, I'd like to just pray for you, for me, for all of us as we live out this calling God has made in our lives. Father, we just want to start by saying thank you. You've given yourself for us. And we are, we are so amazed by your grace. You've given us the gift of forgiveness. But we also acknowledge that it comes with a caveat. And that's your call in our lives to live in your world for your purposes. So as, as, as we're here on the cusp of a, of a new year, new horizons, new opportunities, new challenges, we pray, gracious Father, you will help us to be a point of grace. Because we acknowledge that the church is not some ethereal entity out there someplace. We are your church. Help us to live grace, we pray. Go with us now in Jesus' name. Amen. From the moment that I wake up Till I lay my head I will sing of the goodness of God And all my life you have been faithful And all my life you have been so so good with every breath that I am able I will sing of the goodness of God I love your voice and you have led me through the fire and darkest night you are close like no other I've known you as a father I've known you as a friend And I have lived in the goodness of God And all my life you have been faithful all my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able I will sing of the goodness of God Your goodness is running after, it's running after me your goodness is running after, it's running after me. 
With my life laid down, I'm surrendered now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I'm surrendered now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. All my life you have been faithful. And all my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. Maybe seated. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Welcome back to the Galleon Grace Point podcast. I have a voice now. Um, we had a nice little break in between. Clearly my voice healed up. Um, wanted to read that just because that stuck out from me from this week's sermon. I think starting the new year with this kind of identity series is a really good idea. Um, good for everybody here at church already, but also for the ones listening to this and streaming online to kind of get the idea and the mission and the identity of this church. So I thought that was really cool. Um, and I, you know, I really like when, how we put it about not truly understanding forgiveness until you've given forgiveness, just like Jesus forgave the man's debt. And then he ridiculed the other guy who, had a much smaller debt than that. So I, I thought that was a, a really good uh, visual in your mind when he put it that way out there. Um, I just think the whole, uh, I think this whole six-week series is going to be really cool. This was the the who part of it, who are we. So thought it was a, uh, a, a really uh, a good a really good start to it. Um, obviously, a lot going on in the church right now. Um, we had the uh, passing of Pastor Paul's wife, Cheryl. Um, I had initially on the last podcast said that we'd start on January 3rd, but uh, after after she passed and with the calling hours and the funeral, um, it had been decided to, you know, stop Bible study that week and everything. So I just thought it'd be best to just kind of stop everything that week and start fresh now. So I actually have Jeannie Reinhardt as uh, our guest this week on the podcast. And uh, before uh, she says anything about the sermon or we get into the interview process, I just kind of wanted to... Uh, ask her a little bit about Cheryl because, you know, for those of you that listen frequently, um, I've only been coming here for a few years and sadly Cheryl was sick most of the years that from when we started. So I've only had, you know, a few conversations with her, but, uh, at the end of the sermon, you know, pastor Paul said, I thought Cheryl was all mine and clearly she had a lasting impact on everybody. And that was clear. Like 
I, I was here for the calling hours, but I had to work the day of the funeral. And so I streamed it online and was kind of keeping an eye on it, but listening to it and the seats were packed. And then I talked to Nate later and he's like, no dude, it was, it was filled all the way out in the lobby and everything. So I'll, uh, I'll pass it on to Jeannie real quick and, uh, let her have a few words. Welcome on here. Hi Zach. <laughs> um, so about Cheryl, um, I actually started coming here, um, when I was in college with my older sister, Wendy, and I would just come to Bible studies and stuff. And that's where I met Cheryl. But then later on, I went to like finish college and I got my teaching degree and ended up teaching at North School okay. with Cheryl. Okay. So my first years there, Cheryl was teaching kindergarten actually with my sister, Sarah, and just really got to know Cheryl. Um, and then when Neil and I got married, we ended up choosing this as our home church mm -hmm. and Cheryl was just always so welcoming and loving and just treated us like her own, like we were friends, but she also treated us like her own kids. Right. Um, I remember when we moved into our new house, um, I was very pregnant with Jack okay. and Paul and Cheryl both came over and we were trying to get it ready and they were like painting away and just helping in any way they could. And she was just always loving, um, great with our kids, loved our kids so much. They loved her so much. Um, and then, like you said, she was just everywhere she went. She like had a way of just loving people um, that people were drawn to her and yeah. wanted to know what she had, I think, just by the way she carried herself. So, yes, she did end up bringing lots of kids and families into our church just because it was apparent that she loved them, but it was because she loved Jesus. So. Yeah, and uh, it seemed like co-workers, too. I mean, not just you, oh, but uh, sure. uh, Mrs. Voss, Cindy, I heard her speak and just the impact she had on her um, and their time working together. It seemed like she definitely left a lasting impact on everyone. Um, so definitely keep uh, Pastor Paul and the Walters, the Riggles, everyone in your prayers as they navigate through this time without her. But um, yeah, it, it's it's it was a, a very somber week here at the church. And um, <clears throat> but uh, I think that the one shining light in all of that was seeing how many people came not only to support the pam to support the family, but to. Uh, just to honor her period. It, sure. it, it was a, a beautiful service. I can't say that enough times. Her, the way her kids oh. and her family honored her. I mean, it was, it was just a huge blessing. It really was. I think for, for each of them to have that opportunity just to like tell who their mom was yeah. and the difference that she made in their lives. Um, and for everyone out there, I think everyone could have gotten up and shared about the impact oh, yeah. that Cheryl made in their life. Um, would still the, be here though. <laughs> right. Right. I think one of the most amazing things was to watch Cheryl's faith never wavered through her entire battle. She was, um, just amazingly dedicated to Jesus and, uh, just walked so gracefully through the whole process and it was just inspiring. Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I, I can't say it enough. It was, it really was a beautiful, everything, like you said, their, the family's words, what they had to say and the music that was played. It was just, it was a really good honoring of Cheryl. And I, I thought it was, uh, it was, it was really beautiful. I, I honestly, you know, I actually used to work in the funeral business. And so that was kind of like the first I've seen like a funeral like that. And it was, it was, you know, I said it's been a somber week, but it was, you know, also very spiritual watching that. So 
you know, there can, there can be, you know, a shining light in a moment like that. And I think that was one of them, the, the way everyone honored her. Yeah. So, um, but, uh, we'll, uh, touch on the sermon a little bit. I know I kind of already gave, uh, my points on it, but, uh, again, we've got Jeannie Reinhardt on here with us. So, uh, before I start asking you a million questions, I didn't know if you had any other input on the sermon or the whole series as a whole. Um, I do love that we're taking a minute and just reminding um, people who have been here for a long time, but also people who have just joined us in the last few years of who we are, um, who we are trying to be, mm-hmm. you know, and um, I specifically love our name, Grace Point. Yeah. Like we are trying to be a point of grace right. in our community, um, in our families, in our workplaces. Yeah. And, but understanding it's, we can be that point of grace because we have received Oh yeah, absolutely. And, you know, service was a big, a big point of that sermon. And, you know, just the, the things that the opportunities for service that the church gives are immense. There's a lot of them. I mean, between, you know, um, compassion and action, um, the, uh, the Thanksgiving thing, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on the, that's it. Yep. (laughs) And just many things, uh, the free oil changes for single moms, like so many acts of service that we can do for others to try and bring them to Jesus as well. Um, so yeah, I I totally agree with you. And I love like you gave the verse Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and we're not serving because we're trying to earn anything. We're just serving out of our thankfulness for God's grace in our lives. And it's an opportunity to share that through serving others. Yep. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, so I, I take my notes, obviously, like everyone else here on on uh, on my Sundays when I'm in here. But I like to before I record, kind of that day, re-listen to the sermon, and that is the great thing about having the technology here is to be able to do that. To be like, okay, I, you know, I because you can also have different thoughts at when you're sitting in church and then when you're listening to it later. And so there was just a couple more of those points that I mentioned that stuck out to me, and. Uh, so this week was the the who are we, and then uh, next week is the Sunday coming Sunday would be what? Correct, I think. <laughs> so, oh, she's got her notes over there. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's what. <laughs> We're gonna go with that. I yeah. probably know that too, but <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Um, so, Jeannie, welcome to the podcast. Uh, I guess I'll, I'll start with uh, how I do with everyone else. Kind of tell me about your early life and growing up and, uh, you know, meeting Neil and uh, just wouldn't, then we'll go to the next step after that. <laughs> sure. Um, so I was born in Galleon, raised in Galleon. Um, as a kid, we actually moved out to a farm when I was like six, okay. um, kind of closer to Lexington, but still in Galleon School District. Okay. Um, grew up out there. Loved it. Um, I am the third of four kids. Okay. Um, my parents just like raised us always. Um, we were in the church. We um, we went to a small country church at the time out there. It was Blooming Grove. Okay. Um, just always involved in things. Um, we had great um, families. There were friends of ours who were involved in the church. And um, I remember when I was, I think it was probably about seven or maybe six, giving my heart to Jesus at a little vacation Bible school that was at somebody's house. Yeah. yeah. Um, But just continued that way. I think um, both my parents have always um, been real, like, honest with faith conversations with all of us. So um, I think they always did a great job of modeling, taking opportunity to um, have 
learning moments and spiritual conversation as things arose. Um, my mom, my one of my greatest memories as a kid was I was kind of an early riser. Okay. And my mom has a very distinct uh, way that she clears her throat. Okay. <laughs> so funny. My kids know it too. They're like, oh, grandma's here. Um, but Catherine's yeah. with us here as well too. She's a, she's the extra guest that doesn't have a microphone. She had a little bit of a smirk on her face. So clearly yes, yes. So they do know it. <laughs> yeah. So I would, I had an open air um, register vent in my room and I would know it was okay to come downstairs when I heard my mom clear her throat, but it was because she did Bible study in the living room right below my bedroom. Okay. And so if she cleared her throat, I knew she was awake and it was okay. For, like I could come down. I wouldn't be alone. Right. Yeah. But like literally my childhood memory is my mom in the mornings doing Bible study. Okay. And like we knew kind of not to bother during yeah. that time, but we could sit with her and stuff. But right. just seeing the importance of her reading her Bible and okay. then both of them. I, mean, I know my dad did Bible study too, but I think he did it back in the bedroom. So Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. But uh, just they always set a really great example okay. for all of us. And then I grew up, I graduated, um, went away to school for a little bit at Bowling Green, decided after about a year and a half to come home. I was studying education. Okay. Um, to come home and go to the branch. I was it was taking a long time to get actually into their education program. It was so big. Um, so I thought, well, I can do this a little faster at home. Um, went there a few years. Um, the summer before I graduated, I met, well, I guess it wasn't the summer. It was like the winter before I graduated. I met Neil. Okay. Um, we had a couple classes together at Ohio State okay. and, um, we actually first like went on a date. I was working at Champs in the mall. Okay. I would work like crazy. I worked and then I would go straight from class. So we're kind of rivals. I worked at Finish Line in yeah. the mall. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we got along. But yeah. We were in competition. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I would actually go in my uniform to class okay. and then come back. Like they worked around my yeah, um, yeah. school schedule. Okay. And so he knew I worked at Champs because I showed up almost every day in my look like go. a bowling shirt that's yeah. Champs on it. Yep. Um, and so one day he came in kind of dressed up to champs okay. and I was working and he asked for an application and I like <laughs> gave it to him. And then after a little while, he's like, so you think you'd ever want to go out on a date? <laughs> and I was like, hold up. Like, are you here for a job or a date? And he's like, well, I don't really want a job. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, I was like, cause I'm either, I can either go on a date with you or I can work with you, but I probably can't do yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. So doesn't, that was it doesn't mix that well. <laughs> and that was our first, we shortly went on our first date and have been together ever since okay so. awesome so did you guys continue to go to that church in blooming grove at that time or so kind of when how i was that about 13 um the church had gotten pretty small um and we had had some really great pastors but the thing with a small country church is if you get a great pastor they're going to be sent on yeah. to somewhere else and mm -hmm. um it came time for um it was a united methodist church so it came time for um confirmation and okay. i was the only one of that age. So we had moved to Ontario United Methodist where okay. my parents were married and my dad went when he was a kid. Okay. Um, so I went there from middle school through high school and a little bit in college, but I was coming here with, with um, my older sister for a Bible study okay. on Sunday nights. Okay. Um, but then I actually, when I graduated, I ended up taking a job at Ontario United Methodist as their, I was like in charge of kids from pre-K all the way through high school. Okay. And that was like my first like youth group experience yeah. leading and stuff. And I did that for about a year and a half and we were married there and we loved it there. But 
um, we just, we lived in Galleon and we started coming back here a little bit with my sister and just loved it. And eventually my whole family followed to right. here. So, okay. Yeah. So how long had you been coming here before you actually started, you know, uh, working with the youth group and okay. uh, those things? So, um, we got married in 2001 and just shortly after that established ourselves, like this is where we were going to be. We started working here in the nursery as our serving. Yeah. Um, and then... When we were pregnant with Ben, um, Scott Tinnermeyer had been youth leader and had done a great job and we kind of helped him out. We mm-hmm. were like his like small group leaders sometimes, right. um, but he was ready to move on to some other things. Yeah. And Pastor Paul approached us and said, hey, would you guys be willing to take over the youth group? And my first thought was like, is he crazy? Is he nuts? Like, I'm about to have a baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> first baby. Right. But um, we ended up saying yes to it and have actually been doing being youth leaders here since then. So, and Ben is 18 and a half. So, yeah. And, uh, even, uh, some of the people that I've talked to that would come to youth group here that like, aren't, uh, you know, regular members of, of the church here have just said great things about it. Um, friend of mine, she, uh, uh, it'd be my friend, uh, my friend's daughter, actually. She was friends with my younger sister, but uh, Casey Speck said oh, yeah. that she used to come yeah. over here and, uh, she's actually going to come on the podcast, uh, oh, here awesome. sometime, but, uh, yeah. So you were doing the, you know, in charge of the youth group. And then, uh, you said that was what, 2005. Yeah. But I was already, Neil and I were both teaching. I was teaching here in Galleon. And I think at that point, Neil was maybe at Buckeye Central by then. And okay. So we were still doing like our full-time right. jobs. Yeah. Just doing youth group. Okay. Also um, had Ben and then a little less than two years later we had Jack and then a little less than two years later we had Will. Yep. Um, and then. She just looked like, wait, what about yeah. me? <laughs> so then, um, I don't know. It was, we had an opening on staff and I had already been on staff and attending staff meetings and doing the, that for youth group. But um, yeah just really felt a strong like call that I was supposed to um, like join staff full time and be, um, I just felt called to this place and I didn't know if it was just for a time. And I kind of told Neil about it and I kind of told Paul about it and Paul was like, Oh yeah, that like, that sounds great. Right. Um, but the thing was, it wasn't like I was running from teaching. I loved teaching. Yeah. I loved what I did. I was an intervention specialist. Okay. Um, I had K-12 um, licensure, but I was mostly in primary intermediate school. Okay, I was going to say K-12, that's a wide range. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be and a lot to handle. Yeah, well, I had the behavior class for like seven years, ah, and then okay. I was um, in fourth grade the last few years that I taught, and okay. I loved it, And but I could not shake that this pull I had, this call, that I felt like I had to be here. Yeah. Um, so the school was great. Um, I explained what I was thinking about and they said well we can give you a one-year leave of absence okay you can try that out and then you can come back we can't necessarily guarantee that you'll have your exact same job but you'll have a job okay and I was like all right great and so that felt like it took some pressure off yeah came here worked for a year like loved it yeah um when in that year came up um I had a decision to make tough decision yeah right and um and some people couldn't understand like why would you leave like teaching if you love it and if you know you got some security for the future and, yeah um and also that's what I was battling with oh man like what am I doing why would I walk away I can still serve the yeah. Lord right we can still serve the Lord whatever we're doing I don't right. do it full time and 
So um, after a lot of agonizing over it, I finally told Paul, I said, I think I'm, I'm going back to the school. And he was like, well, that's okay. And I remember he said, the Lord's going to bless you wherever you're at, as long as you're serving him. And I thought, okay. And then I cried for like three days straight. <laughs> yeah. And um, I told Neil and my mom both, I was like, I made the wrong choice. Like I already, I know deep down I made the wrong choice. And so then I had to do the process backwards and tell uh-huh. the school I'm not coming back. And yeah you know, oh, Pastor Paul, we, we still have me here with the board still. And he was like, oh, yeah. And yeah. so I did that and really have never looked back since. Yeah. I get to teach on Wednesday nights. Yeah. Um, actually, when I first started, I was doing um, all the children's ministry okay. as well and the youth ministry. Yeah. Um, it was kind of amazing. We started growing and it got to a place where I told Pastor Paul, like, I can keep doing both ministries well or I can do one of them really well right yeah and so he said pick which one and after i thought about it and prayed about it, i've always just really enjoyed coaching and teaching middle school high school and so i went that way and we hired amanda she's done a great job and yeah and yeah. I, that's kind of what i told her because you know kind of a kind of a similar story where you know she had left teaching and came here for the children's ministries but you know when you were teaching fourth grade for instance like I told her I'm like you know you got them for a year and then you kind of from afar you know saw them but now you've got like this long group of time watching these kids oh, yeah, grow watch them grow yeah. mature like find their own faith that yeah. is the most rewarding part yeah and unfortunately we lose a lot of kids in high school because you know they're working they're right. in all the sports and, and it's just and high school in general this and is how it is right them, but yeah. when you see kids that actually start to go from i have to come on wednesday or i want to be there because it's fun i'm in sixth grade this right. is the best yeah to um Maybe their parents are making them continue to come, but when it finally clicks and they have their own faith, and the best part is when they start sharing that faith yeah. with their peers and the younger kids. Yeah, like all of a sudden, ears are perking up, and right. they're really they're listening to those older kids more than they're listening oh, to yeah. the adults. You know? Absolutely, and I think that's a good age group too. I was thinking about that with like the thirty-hour famine, you know, because it's what sixth grade to twelfth to twelfth grade. grade, and like. That kind of is like those sixth graders are probably looking up at those ninth, tenth, eleventh, twelfth graders and yeah. like, okay, like they're here, like and right. getting invested in it more there because they look up to those right. kids. Right. Yeah, it is. It is really cool though. Um, but I was going to ask you, you know, along with being in charge of the youth group, you know, I just mentioned one with like the thirty-hour famine to kind of touch on some of the activities that that they do. Um, you know. I dipped in for a little bit when you guys were down there and they were just having a blast. I mean, I was there early on in it though. I wasn't there in the midst of their hunger. So you yeah. know, I don't know the whole, the whole, uh, episode there, but, uh, so it's kind of amazing. The 30 hour famine, I would say is the teenagers favorite event okay. throughout the school year. Um, and actually once they do it once they realize it's not really as hard as yeah. <laughs> you know as you think. Right. Um, they probably psych themselves out yeah, more than I always, anything like, at first. Yeah, and I always like prepare them. I'm like, you're going to be hungry at dinner time the first night because you're just used to eating. Yeah. I'm like, once you get past that, it's amazing. They're still playing basketball in the oh, gym yeah. and like screwing around, running around yeah. all the way up till the end. Yeah. Some of the older ones maybe get a little tired and take a little nap, but yeah, the younger ones are just buzzing around, and I don't even think they realize that it's been you know, however many hours since they've eaten. So, Oh yeah. Yeah. It looked like they were having a great time when I stopped down there. I mean, just shooting hoops and then you guys had the activity yeah. there and, uh, in the studio and it, it looked like a really good time. But then, uh, I mean, there's plenty of other things. There's that, there's, uh, the work hard, play hard, the summer camps. Um, 
so yeah um the work hard play hard is a really cool thing especially when they show the pictures you know afterwards and seeing these kids do these things and then just the smiles on their faces with i mean lots of fun activities that they really do the idea kind of behind that when we started it was um some kids might not be able to go to camp so let's bring church camp to them for the week and so and also like anytime we have a great team of um volunteers like at one point had 10 adults we have nine now that show up every single wednesday night as small group leaders so faithful to it yeah um it's amazing when we first started in youth ministry sometimes we'd be worn out and like what are we doing why are like this is and pastor paul kept saying build a team right if you build a team and once we like finally got that established and really built a team like we leave there energized. Like it's, we're supposed to be tired, you know, like it's like nine o'clock sometimes usually before we get out of here on a Wednesday night and we're like energized because we're not doing it alone. We have all this support and help and kids are getting it, but um, just seeing them excited too. And not just the kids, but the adults are excited too. And then they're kind of like growing and anytime you facilitate questions like the small group leaders as you're facilitating those questions you're thinking too and applying things to your own life so i know that it's we're all growing during that time yeah um but yeah the work hard play hard is probably our funnest summer event here yeah and then church camp has been in the last few years it's just exploded doug and laura rigdon um there are small group leaders and they have always been a part of reach out camp um, up at lakeside okay and it's for going into eighth grade through just graduated. Okay. And it's student led. So okay. last year, um, of the eight, seven or eight PCs, they're the planning committee. Uh-huh. They're elected at the end of each reach out. Well, we had four of them from Grace Point that were elected to lead. And then this, that was last year. And then this year, we also have four okay. of our youth that are elected to lead. So they plan throughout the whole year. Oh, that's awesome. And it's just, it's a great environment. Kids are experiencing a little bit of freedom because you're at Lakeside yeah. and it's kind of a gated community. Right, yeah. Um, but they're also just awesome opportunities and it's a big part of it is service. That's where the reach out comes. So we leave for a day and a half, um, stay the night at different places okay. um, and serve. Okay. And then we come back. Those are your mission groups. And yeah. It's just, it's an awesome experience. I don't think Catherine loves when we go because... The whole family goes now. Neil and I are right, counselors. Yeah, she's the only one left the behind. The boys are old enough, but she gets some good quality time with grandma and grandpa. And there we go. She'll get to be there soon. Get all sugared up. That's yeah. what grandparents are for, right? Yeah. <laughs> so what is that? What is, you know, you said that you go leave for like a day and a half and do service, but outside of that, like what, you know, I, I guess in my head, I'm kind of envisioning, uh, like kind of, I don't know if, if it, how long it was around, but like, I don't know if you remember Mohican Outdoor School kind of, is it kind of yeah. similar? So I setup? would say that our, um, there's a camp we go to in Michigan to okay. a lot of kids, um, a lot of our younger kids and some of our middle school, high school, my boys have gone. Um, I've actually spoke at that camp last year for okay. the middle school. Um, that camp is more, um, it's called Somerset. Okay. It's through the Free Methodist Church. That camp is more like what you're talking about. Mohican Outdoors, like there's zip lining, there's um, like all kinds of water sports, that kind of thing. Reach Out is more like there is an amazing band. So we have like amazing worship. Awesome. We have those mission trips that take actually about two days of our time. Yeah. Um, Kids get quite a bit of free time and not so free time where they're like, Neil loves to put on fishing. Right. So he'll have like... 15, 20 kids with fishing poles down at the pier and he's helping them and doing, yeah. Um, and then there's like, 
um, worship services once or twice a day. Okay. Um, we have Bible study time where you have a Bible study group that okay. meets once or twice a day. Um, so yeah, not quite so like outdoorsy that way, but yeah. more like community. Like yeah. the kids are meeting other kids and they have, they share their faith and yeah. yeah. So is that something that you guys kind of like <clears throat> have already started getting in order or is that something like now first of the year you start really making the plans for that? I know you so said the, like the, the youth leaders yeah. are kind of doing it year round, but uh, as far as getting the concrete plans in place and sign ups and all that, is that kind of something you do? So now? yeah, they, the registration I think just opened. There's a winter reach out um, that's happening here in February at Camp Zimmerman. Okay. Um, it's, that's near Newcomerstown. Okay. One of the big churches that comes is a church from Newcomerstown. Okay. There's um, church from Worthington. Okay. And then uh, several other smaller ones that are involved. Okay. But yeah, there are, um, actually Doug and I are on the board for Reach Out as well. Okay. Um, but there are what they call deans. So a couple of the adults on the board work with those kids throughout okay. the whole year. And so Jack, my son, is one of the PCs this year. Okay. And they've already had, I think, two meetings and they'll figure out like what the theme verse is, you know, what their talks, all the kids get a chance to share their faith. Yeah. One night at one of the services. Awesome. It's just really cool. Yeah. It sounds like it. Yeah. So before I start asking more questions, yeah. um, well, I, I, it's another question before I go on to a different series of questions, yeah. but is there, uh, is there really, uh, anything in the upcoming schedule other than that camp that you just mentioned for the youth group kids that's, uh, that's coming up soon? So, um, other than Wednesday night, uh, we're just starting this, this Wednesday is our last, um, of the series of Jesus parables that I'll be teaching. Okay. And then I'm actually going to be gone for a bit. Um, Jason Ensminger is going to be taking over, okay. um, and he's going to do the mission possible study with the youth for yeah. Tim Tebow. Yeah. And we've actually, in the last few years have done a couple of Tim's, yeah. um, series and the kids love him. And yeah. so He'll be doing that, but otherwise, like big event wise, not probably until Til, closer, yeah, spring, closer summer. to spring. Okay, mm -hmm. awesome. Yep, they're gonna love that Mission Possible uh, uh, by or uh, study class because it. Uh, I I read the Mission Possible one. Um, Brantley actually just got done reading. Uh, I believe it's called Shaken by Tim yeah. Tebow yeah. and. Brantley is not a sit down and read type of kid at all, but he got it for Christmas and like I just walk in and he was reading this book. I'm like. Kind of who sure are you? Yeah. I'm like, what are you doing right now? This is crazy. And he finished it in like two days. Like awesome. I was incredibly shocked, but yeah, he, he absolutely loved it. And so now we're going to trade and he's going to take the mission possible and I'm going to take shaken nice. and kind of go back and forth with it. But uh, we also did, um, I think the youth group did shaken, but we also did, I think it's, this is the day. So okay. another one to look at. Yeah. I was, I, uh, I was kind of looking around Christmas time. I'd found some of his, I was kind of looking for some more Christian based like sports books for him to read because you know when they go to the library at school and stuff and he's bringing home you know who is babe ruth and i'm like all right let's you know enough with the biographies yeah, you yeah. don't even like baseball what are you doing no, but yeah. uh so i'd found another one i think it was called remember why you play i don't think he's got it yet i don't think he's opened that one yet that'd probably be this week but cool. got a good selection that uh if uh, he ends up liking them i'll give you uh give them to you that you might be able to pass on to the youth group for Great. extra things to work on um but if I'm not mistaken, if it's not this week, it may be next week, LifeWise started up in Galleon? Um, LifeWise is starting up February 1st. February 1st, okay. Yes. And uh, like Kim and I did kind of our final meeting with our teachers yesterday. Okay. Um, this We have a board meeting 
tomorrow and okay. then we're gonna have a volunteer training with our whole like meet and greet on the staff yeah um on saturday and then okay. i think we're pretty ready to roll yeah, yeah that's exciting um we talked a lot about it when kim was on but uh you know i've not to uh, repeat myself too many times i know i do that on this podcast but uh Crawford has had it for a while and Brantley has loved it from the beginning. Like he looks forward to LifeWise all the time and is constantly coming home and telling me about what happened in LifeWise that day. And so it's, it's really cool that Galleon's going to get that opportunity now. And like I told her, just you look, it's like a spider web on how far it's spread out just over like the past five years. So it's really awesome. You guys are doing that. Yeah. And I think Kim touched on it. We, I've only ever heard amazing things about Crawford life-wise yeah but um the whole crawford county yeah. is coming together basically as one big like a hub an area yeah. team yeah and so we will be able to help each other that way with like resourcing and just yeah, and instead of just a bunch ideas. of little tiny yeah you know, not just school districts thing. yeah we're kind of working together a curriculum almost that you know everybody's kind of expanding off of one, yeah we're just one like thing. questions a hub of resources yeah, for each other and, exactly yeah because yeah, you know you guys yeah. are starting this one new and maybe talk so, to you know oh this has worked uh, at this point in time yeah, yeah yeah that's exciting i think it'll be it'll be really really cool that that's awesome and then uh, another question I was going to ask you, it's kind of it's kind of strange because like I'm asking these questions. I'm like, I've asked these questions to Kim, yeah. um, but uh, becoming a pastor. So tell me a little bit about that journey, you know, uh, from starting in the youth ministries to working here until making that step. And what, what made you want to make that step? What was how, how you got there exactly? Um, so I obviously was a teacher, right? And I still keep up my teacher license because I think you know what I earned that I worked hard for it I keep yeah. it up and um but when I first came here like I said I thought it was maybe just for a time like I just really specifically felt called to this specific church yeah and I didn't know if it would be for a long time but I, I just whatever opening or need was there I felt like it was I was supposed to fill that yeah um and then here we are, 12 and a half years later. Right, yeah. And like, oh, maybe I should get ordained because um, I'm already doing the work right, <laughs> of a yeah, pastor. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, yeah. Um, Make it official. <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah. kind of, yeah. And I've actually, um, over the years, I've taken some courses here and there. Um, you know, when I started, Will was going to be two. And then two years after I started, Catherine. yeah entered the world as yep. our big surprise there you and got your shout out there finally yeah. <laughs> um so i was just kind of like well i'm i'm doing ministry i'm doing the work and i think now is because i've gotten older and i have a little bit more time to focus on the studying and getting it done I, it's almost more like um i probably should have done this a long time ago yeah but i'm doing it so okay <laughs> well, that's awesome that's awesome yeah. so um how much longer is that process? Um, so the classes that we're taking, it's five courses um, through uh, the River Conference, which is Free Methodist Conference out west. Um, and they just have a certificate for um, Free Methodist Studies. Okay. So we are, it's five classes. We started in, I think, September and it goes through July. Um, we just finished our second class actually today. I took okay. the final test or whatever okay and then there's we're starting our third so it'll just carry through to the end of this and then we'll go through our conference um you're, you become like a conference ministerial candidate 
um, get interviewed by the Meg board and some things. There are some things. And then next year, um, we would be up for ordination. Okay. So. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, a lot of exciting things going on then. It's uh, it's kind of crazy to see, you know, the, the timeline that you've laid out already and just, you know, like I said, making that, that, that official, yeah. that, that leap to making it happen. That's, and that's really Kim cool. And Kim has such a, I tease her a little bit, like she is, we call her the nerd or the geek, like she's okay. study, like she's into the study. And I think um, I always like being a student, but doing it together has been it's yeah. been good she's okay. got a lot of enthusiasm for the yeah. study part so yeah absolutely yeah awesome well I, I guess um before i get to like the question i ask everybody i um i think i'd ask you so when you started coming here you know making this your home church do you remember at that time exactly like what it was what was the driving factor or what was the moment that you're like this is the one and the reason i ask is because it seems like everyone that i've had on here or even just people i talk to they have had just that that one moment and most of the time they have said it's like the first time i came or something like that you know that's how it was for us like our first time coming here the sermon just it clicked pastor paul is a great way of just almost speaking right to you which is funny because uh, <clears throat> it feels like he's speaking right to you sometimes. And then on Sunday, um, I actually had to leave a little bit early from the service because um, our basketball games were all all the way in Cary. And um, then he ended up at the game because Jacob's on the team. And we were sitting there, and I was talking about how I had to leave early. And he was like, oh, yeah, I was into it. I didn't even notice. He's like, I wish I would have. I would have called you out. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, yeah, so kind of uh, – kind of how you guys or maybe maybe it was separate or maybe it was together that you both decided kind of how that how that went and deciding this was going to be your home base and your uh, your home to serve the Lord in this place. I remember specifically that it wasn't like I always felt welcome here. Um I just I grew up in church yeah. and I had a lot of great pastors along the way, but there's something different about the way that Paul preaches. Yeah and every other pastor I've ever had. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's not like there's just like, oh, that was a cute story, or that was like every time I came, I felt like um, I was learning something, yes. but I was also being challenged right. to do something I, myself, to, to dig further or to come up like a level, like go deeper. I agree completely. Like even, uh, not to interrupt, but like this, this past Sunday sermon, just, you know, when he was saying about, you know, showing grace to people, you know, the people that annoy you, the, mm -hmm. the weird person at work, he said. And then I was thinking, I was like, am I the weird person at work? Cause I don't know who it is. Cause normally if you don't know who <laughs> it is, it, know, it's, it's you, you. <laughs> but, uh, no, it, it, I, I totally agree with what you're saying right there though. It kind of challenges you. I think that's a perfect word to describe. It does, you know, I walk out of here and I'm like, it's almost like I've got a new mission in mind. Yeah. And you're excited mm -hmm. to go. Absolutely. It's an attainable mission. You're excited to go fulfill it. Not yep. a, I've just been beaten down. Right. Yeah. There's nothing I can do. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's just a different, I, and I know you're like you, I've learned over the years, you're not coming to church to be filled. You're coming to church to worship yes. because Jesus, right? Yes. But when you leave and you do feel like encouraged to go be Jesus right. in the world. Yeah. And spread uh, that's the word. Yeah. Exciting feeling. Yeah. 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 And I still feel that. Yeah. All the time. Like most Sundays, I don't know. I end up in here for both services. Yeah. 
And I don't want to get up and leave for the second time I'm hearing the sermon. I want to hear it again. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's kind of like what I was saying where you you hear it the second time and you, you know, you almost pick up on something that you didn't feel before. Right. But yeah. So you said you, you kind of felt challenged. Do you, so Paul was was preaching, and you just you felt challenged and felt like this is where you just had that feeling right then and there. That's where you want to be. Is that kind of yeah, how it was? And for... I want to. I want more. Yeah, like yeah. I want to go deeper, and yeah. I want to yeah. yeah be challenged. And and so was that you and Neil as a collective that kind of made that decision, or uh, yeah, at the same time. Yeah, because we had um, we got married in the other church, and we had great friends and a great yeah. pastor there too, and mm-hmm. like great church family. Um, but I just think. There's, that was the thing. It was the messages. Just, I want more of that. Yeah. I want to get to Bible study on Wednesday night. Yes. I want to, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And just getting involved in all the, all the small groups that we have, you know, I've, I've, I've pounded it on here quite a few times, just how many cool opportunities there are, you know, Jay was doing the, the mission possible, um, Scott was doing the, uh, the one, uh, for public teachers, faith mm-hmm. and, you know, public schools, like just, and then obviously Wednesday Bible studies, just and the women's Bible studies. Women's Those are Bible studies. like some of my favorite. And I actually write with youth group women's ministry here Yeah, is my favorite. Like mm-hmm. women's retreat. It's just become, uh, just a kind of a beautiful time for women to get together, to study, to build friendship yeah. and, they have it to look forward to every year. Yeah. It's just, it's super encouraging. Like it's a lot of planning and a lot of time that goes into it. But again, it's one of those things I leave and I'm just like floating, yeah. you know, it's not like, oh man, I'm so glad that's over. Right. It's like, Feel oh, fulfilled and this was awesome. Yeah. It was yeah. great. Yeah. So. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that then because, uh, you know, I, I'll see it come up. Normally it gets announced, you know, early summer and then, you mm-hmm. know, there's a deadline. So kind of like, you know, I'd asked you the kind of the setup of the youth camps. What is the kind of the setup and the routine there at the women's retreat? So um, we used to do it in the spring. Um, COVID kind of forced us to push, like we missed the following spring. We were actually at women's retreat. It was March 13th and everything, school, everything was shutting down. That was a Friday night. Oh, you guys were there. That was the very last day um, that the kids were in school for like, like almost a year, right? Man, that had to be crazy. Like thinking about it, yeah. like you're, well, and you're, you know, it was all new. It was like, okay, well, but they're going back in two weeks, and, <laughs> right? Yeah. Right? So we but thought, like, also we're all kind of looking at each other, like, don't anybody breathe on me or whatever. Yeah, I'm just thinking though, like you're you're at the retreat and like you're away from your family, and then it's like because that was mind blowing when it happened. Yeah. Like it, you know, I, I don't want to be dramatic and say it was like the end of the world, but it was like. What it, it was uh, all uncharted unknown. waters? Yes. Nobody knew. Yes. You know, I remember that day very clearly. Running up here to Drug Mart and getting milk and toilet paper right. and all that stuff because right. I'm watching the news, watching DeWine, and I can only imagine. You know, a, a group of women all together worshiping, and well, then this happens. You're like, it what? was like that day is when they announced that like the schools were going to be shutting down yeah. for. But like we go there in the evening, so you know it was lo- lots of texts. Like, oh, are we yeah. still doing this? I'm like, I think. Well, yeah, I mean. <laughs> Yeah, let's we've been do it. together right. all week already. Right. So, so, um, so we missed then the following spring, and we started doing it in August. And it, we found like for most of the women, they really appreciated that. And then we moved from Friday Saturday to um, Saturday Sunday, and we do our worship there in the morning. Um, so now it's become like end of August, yeah. kind of thing. Um, most times we end up at in Amish country okay. at one of the places. We've gone up to Mommy Bay. We've okay. gone to Mohican. Yeah. Um, that's something that started with like 40 women and now we're like 
a hundred women come. Yeah, because this past one was was it Sugar Creek? If yeah, I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah Carlisle Island. Yep. Yeah. Um, hundred women. It's not always the same hundred women. Right. People, we find that a lot of people when they come, they invite friends, they yeah. invite family. It just becomes like a great time for them to pull away. Yeah. And so a lot of what's going on is in the conference room. Like, well, last year we studied Ruth and we had three different talks on Ruth and, um, but there's the stuff that's going on outside of that. Like the yeah. time together, I think for the women has become just great okay great time that they look forward to every year so that's awesome yeah i just i, I kind of wanted to get that out there in case you know someone hasn't been and you i know, just said to interested Kim today like oh we gotta start thinking about the women's retreat <laughs> yeah well <laughs> it's out there now so uh you've got a kind of a visual of you know what all it entails and what goes on there so maybe that can kind of make the decision for someone that's listening yeah but uh i'll get to get to my final question for you and um which you know what it is and I still, uh, I'm still kicking myself for forgetting to ask Kim on the episode. She's the only one I forgot. So I, I, Kim, next time you come on or you're here when we're recording, I'm just going to have you dip in and give me your advice and it shouldn't be, um, what your husband's is. And that's to go to the, uh, celebration for that team up North's, uh, national championship, uh, parade on Saturday. Got that, uh, got that text in the group. That's not happening, mm-hmm. but, <laughs> but yeah. So, uh, give me a little bit, uh, of your best advice you've either been given or have given or just the best ad- piece of advice that, uh, has come to you. So I, okay. I think the best advice I've been given, I think I already said, um, I remember just how freeing it felt when pastor Paul said, the Lord's going to bless you yeah. wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, yeah. as long as you're serving him. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, I think the best advice that I can give and that I try to give my own kids um, and that I try to practice is um, just personally do um, frequent heart checks. Okay. Like I love the scripture, um, Psalm 139, 23 and 24 that says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Basically, it's just giving God permission like, hey check my motives, yeah. you know, check my intentions, correct me, yeah. help me yeah. so that I can just follow you with yeah. a clean heart. Guide me to you. Yeah. And so there's this prayer. Um, we do, I do the Bible app every day. I don't know, like the daily verse. And, yeah. um, there's this prayer that I've been like, there's the third part of it is guided prayer. Okay. And there was a prayer on there one time that I ran across that I've just been praying probably every day for the last six months. Okay. Um, and I was just going to share it with you. And it awesome. kind of reminds me of this, um, of this verse. Okay. It's a prayer for a centered heart. It says, God, open my eyes to what I am truly devoting myself to. Help me as I fight against selfish desires. When people see my life, I want them to see you at the center. Refocus my heart and my mind on you, my eternal treasure. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah. Yeah. That's and as I was thinking about that and we were talking about Cheryl earlier. Yes. I really feel like... When you saw Cheryl, you saw Jesus yeah, in her. Absolutely. So. That's awesome. Yeah. And that's what we should all strive to be is, you know, almost like we're wearing it, you know, right on our chest. Like, come to me. I will, you yep. know, being being a light for someone else and trying to share the Lord with them. Yeah. And I, I think that's a great advice. That's a that's great advice. That's a great prayer. That was that's that's awesome. And it makes me think a lot of um LifeWise and Joel Penton, his, yeah. his whole thing is like protecting the whole thing from mission drift. Um, 
you know, like, let's keep the main thing, the main thing. Yes. Like there are so many little avenues we could go down, but like, no, let's keep yep. it. This is, we're just sharing the gospel with kids. This is our main focus. And so I think I pray that prayer because in life, like sometimes I want to get a little selfish with my time because oh, yeah. kids' schedules are crazy yep. or what are my motives and intentions for this? You know, I just want to keep it back, keep the main thing, the main thing, keep focused oh, yeah. on the mission. So. Absolutely. And it can be easy to to fall into that too. Um, you know, I've, I've said on here before, like there was a period of time when we first started the, the open gyms and I was getting kind of discouraged because I'm like, nobody's coming. This is, what am I doing? And then, you know, I just, I eventually started looking at him like, I'm not, like you said, if you build it, they will come, mm-hmm. you know, and they did. They, they've showed up and we've had a great time together. You know, we've had great discussions with these kids and it's just great to see, you know, n- not, not open gym, but life wise and the youth ministries and everything that's touching these kids at a young age and, you know, you know, planting the roots of Jesus in them so right. it can fully develop and fully grow. Because like you said, there are so many avenues that they can just drift away and not just kids. I mean, we can oh, as us. adults yeah, too. Sure. Like there's so many things in this world that are distractions and other things that we can, you know, spend our time focused on. And, and some of that's not even, you know, worldly things, but just back to the sermon again, like not showing grace and just being, being too selfish. And, you know, like you said, sometimes you get challenged in these sermons and you've got to check yourself. And that was one of them, you know, nothing specific that has gone on lately in my life or anything, but I'm just like, you know, maybe just putting in that extra little step, that extra little effort into sharing the gospel or just showing grace period to someone. Right. Right. Because sometimes, you know, not everyone's necessarily ready for you to just come right up to them, you know, spreading the word, but just, you know, making those incremental little steps can make a huge difference in someone's life. And I've, I've seen it multiple times just in the past couple of years, whether it be kids, whether it be friends, whether it be coworkers and just the life changes that just being a light for someone, just a beam of positivity period can do. It's, it's, it's awesome. But, um, I want to thank you again for coming on. This was awesome. Um, been looking forward to having you on for a while. Um, yeah. So before I, uh, before I let you out of here, is there any other thing you want to mention, uh, whether it be just uh, stuff going on period stuff going on in the church, if there was anything you want to touch on before uh, we get on out of here? I think, um, I just, thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. Um, and I think that if anyone's listening and they wonder, is there anything I can get involved in? There are so many things <laughs> yes. that you can get involved in here yeah. at Grace Point. Just give the church a call and Come check we'll find out. something for yeah, you. For sure. <laughs> there's, for sure. There's, there's a lot to do. A lot aware, of good people. A place to serve and yep. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 been awesome. Um again, thanks for coming on. Um just thinking off the top of my head, the regular Bible studies um start again Wednesday. Um there's no open gym this weekend. Uh it's the first and third Sundays of every month. Um am I missing? PB and J. PB and J. Yep. PB and yep. J friends. Yep. Yeah. So, and I, I imagine that here in the next couple of weeks, there'll be more slides that pop up with things coming on. Um, was going to throw it out there. Um, not going to give the date out yet, but be on the lookout. The plans are in place for the men's fishing charter, um, for that weekend at East Harbor. I believe it's at East Harbor again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, I've said it on here probably a thousand times already, but it's a great experience. Um, if you have the opportunity to come, definitely do it. I texted uh, Matt 
uh, the other day and told him, you know, here's when it's going to be to give him a heads up because now he's got a different career and can, can go now and right. he's looking forward to it. And so, yeah, and just spread it out there. Um, it, it was a one of the best experiences that I've had in a long time and just awesome fun. Great that's guys, awesome. great time. And then uh, be on the lookout for info that's going to start coming with the uh, the women's retreat. And I think that that, you know, I was going to say it sounds fun to me, but I'm not a female, so... It's like the same as the men's thing, only for women. Okay. And we don't fish. Okay, okay. (laughs) I was told, though, that the women, that there's some women that want to get a women's fishing charter going, so... I don't know if that'll ever happen, but I was told that there was there was a few women that are like, "Why is that only for men? We want to fish too." So yeah, I'm probably not leaving that one. <laughs> okay, okay. Neil thought I liked to fish when we first dated because I would go with him. Yeah, but then, but not so much. Yeah, I yeah. just did it to humor him. I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like when uh, I used to buy Rochelle like Steelers clothes, thinking like, "Oh yeah, she's a Steelers fan because she'd watch the games with me." couldn't care less yeah. <laughs> uh awesome well guys i am so thankful to be back i i i can't describe how much i really enjoy doing this um it's it's kind of like another uh it's like another day at church for me i enjoy listening to the sermon again and getting to talk to you guys getting to talk to Jeannie and the guests on here and getting to know them better um so i am super thankful a that i get to do this i'm super thankful that this is back um you know, barring any, uh, hopefully I don't get sick again. That was like a month. And I was, I was actually listening to the last podcast. I'm like, I feel bad for everybody that listened. I sounded horrible. I, it sounded gross, <laughs> but, um, I'm just thankful to be back. Um, I'm thankful to be back in the routine of Bible study, uh, the podcast, um, the sermons. I like this series that, uh, with the whole identity of the church. So definitely if there's someone that's considering, uh, trying this out, this would be a really good time. So they could kind of know who we are, what we are, and just what our mission is as a church. So if you know someone that's interested in coming, um, this would be a good time. And if they're not ready to make that leap and take steps into the church, you know, throw them, uh, throw them a link to this podcast, throw them a link to the website where they can watch, uh, the, the whole sermon. I was talking to a coworker today that, uh, they are kind of trying to figure out their church and, um, went to different towns for ones and I said well you know I know it's a bit of a drive for you but I'll send you the link on Sunday and kind of check it out and see what you like even if you just got to do it from home because you know I understand the drive so if there's someone out there that uh, is considering it this would be a great opportunity to uh, to, to spread the word and to, to show them what we're all about and uh, it'd be greatly appreciated so thank you again Jeannie thank you Catherine (laughs) you guys have a good evening Um, I'll see you all at church on Sunday and we'll be back next week with another episode and also we are full tilt boogie all the way until basically Memorial Day so Wednesday mornings this will be back from here on out like I said barring uh, any illness or anything you you know there might be something every once in a while but uh, we're back uh, in our routine now so God bless you all and I'll see you Sunday See you.